From WFIU in Bloomington, Indiana, I'm Kate Young, and this is a special edition of Earth Eats. When the Alt-N ethanol plant opened in Mead, Nebraska in 2015, it seemed like a win-win situation. Ethanol is usually made from field corn. Alt-N had another idea, seed corn. It was plentiful, but treated with pesticides, contaminating Alt-N's waste. Soon, mead stunk. I can tell you that it's the worst smell in the world. Like sinus infection snot pouring out of your nose. It just was reeking. Dogs got sick, bees started dying, and people worried for their health. This week, we're devoting the hour to Christina Stella's The Smell of Money, a documentary from Nebraska Public Media. Stay with us. In the very early hours of February 12th, 2021, Nebraska was in the throes of a polar vortex. It was cold, the kind that rings in your ears. And in the village of Mead, about 35 miles west of Omaha, there was another sound, rushing water. We start tonight with some breaking news out of Mead, Nebraska. Three News Now reported. There's a leak of wastewater from a container at the Alton Ethanol Plant in Saunders County. And according to the state, it's due to a frozen pipe. Activist Mahmoud Fatil with the Nebraska Stand Advocate Group rushed to the scene and started live streaming. All right, relatives, we're down here. I believe this is 9th County Road 9 and J. Outside of Mead, Nebraska, you can see there's tarp down here. The snow crunches underneath his feet. His flashlight pierces the darkness. You can see they've had a tank rupture. The camera picks up this dark liquid pooling near the Alt-N ethanol plants. It's a blend of manure and nearly a dozen different industrial pesticides. It should be all frozen. It's really cold out here. It's actually melted a bunch of the snow and ice. The liquid had been stored in a four million gallon tank. That is, until it's split open in the middle of the night, just days after the state of Nebraska shut the plant down following years of environmental violations. And here we have an accident already. And this is just all the wastewater they were ordered to get rid of, and it's now freely draining out into the drainage. And it would spread as far as five miles away. Smells like fish guts on a hot summer's day out here right now. The people of Mead could smell it too. They'd been smelling it for years. And to them, that night was the final straw, the moment when their fears about the Alt-N ethanol plant were unleashed in one of the worst ways imaginable. My name is Christina Stella, and this is The Smell of Money, a documentary from Nebraska Public Media. We'll start the morning after that spill in February. Members of a local Facebook group tell me that if I want to understand what was happening in Mead, there's one person I have to talk to, Jody Weibel. I had the volume off on my phone. I almost missed it. Jody woke up that morning to a message from a neighbor. Wastewater from the plant spilled overnight, and the liquid was everywhere. And they didn't know who to report it to, so they reported it to me. So by this point, Jody practically had Nebraska's Department of Environment and Energy on speed dial. And once again, she worried chemicals from Alt-N could leach into local groundwater. My well is 40 to 45 feet deep. This was not the first time she had that thought. Jody's been worried about pollution from Alt-N since its opening year, 2015. It's turned her into an unlikely environmental activist, Mead's own Erin Brockovich. I simply love this town. It's full of wonderfully good people. I have never experienced a family like that, such a close-knit community. Jody's lived in Mead since the mid-80s. And Mead, Nebraska, population roughly 600, looks like a lot of small Midwestern towns. There's a grain elevator by the country store, three churches, some empty storefronts, and one restaurant, Cafe Euro Bistro. About a mile past Main Street, I turn onto a quiet road, and pull up to a ranch house. 
Jody greets me in leggings, fuzzy slippers, and a shirt with a quote from the Bible on it in rainbow letters. She's petite with bright blue eyes. We settle on her living room couch. Okay. So I'm just going to get a good audio level on you. you Jody says residents haven't gotten many updates about the plant since it closed. It just seems like everything slowed down to nothing. In fact, I have someone from HHS is coming down here to test my water anytime now. A few minutes later, a Department of Health and Human Services sedan pulls into the driveway. We'll go out and see if I can remember his name. I'm Jody. I'm sorry. I'm Jody. I'm the state's testing residents' water for free after the spill. Pesticide screenings usually cost hundreds of dollars. Okay, um, we can take samples from inside the home and then at the well. Do you have a hydrant? I have, yeah. I've got one in the barn and I've got a couple that are out back. Okay. Jody plans to grow old in mead. But with the spill and Alton's years of pesticide pollution, she worries that dream has become dangerous for herself and future generations. I hope it doesn't do anything to Mead's water since they're upstream. I don't know if waters swirl underneath. I don't know what they do under there. But it would be the death of Mead. It would be the death of Mead. Which is ironic, because this plant was supposed to be Mead's next chapter. Ah, Nebraska land, sweet Nebraska land, upon thy burning soil I stand, and I look away across the plains. This village's future has always relied on the roughly 350,000 acres of cropland surrounding it. But agriculture is volatile. Some of its worst days were during the 1980s farm crisis. Growers emerged from that era with this mandate find new ways to sell corn and soybeans. One answer was already waiting in the wings, thanks in part to the energy crisis of the 1970s. What's Texaco doing in a field of corn? Not growing it. Texaco's making gasohol. It's a mixture of 90% Texaco unleaded gasoline and 10% ethanol made from renewable crops like corn. By the early 2000s, ethanol had become an industry with a promise for places like Mead. Money for schools, jobs... And if it was lucky, a future. That pitch wasn't just being made to small towns. Americans heard it at the highest levels. You've got to be aggressive about finding alternative sources of fuel. And one such source is ethanol. Ethanol comes from corn. And we're pretty good about growing corn here in America. And a lot of that momentum came from marketing that it was cleaner and greener for our energy needs. Again, President George W. Bush. I like the idea of spending money so that someday an American president says, show me the crop report, as opposed to how many barrels of crude oil are we importing? Which is why Jody Weibel was thrilled in 2004 when a company called E3 Biofuels proposed opening a plant in town. At the time, she was the chair of Mead's planning commission. It seemed like such a win-win and the farmers would have been so unhappy if we would have voted no, because there was a wonderful close outlet for their corn. We thought it was going to be a boost for the community. An ethanol plant was the up-and-coming thing. E3 Biofuels built the plant that would one day become Alden. But before that, the company promised to pioneer this brand new way of making ethanol with a system called the Closed Loop. They built the plant next to Mead's 30,000 cattle feedlot. They were going to use the methane gas from the cow manure to power the ethanol plant. And then they would make their ethanol from the field corn from the farmers. And then the leftover product would be fed right back to the cattle. So it would be a totally self-sustaining entity. It sounded like a wonderful idea. Dave Hallberg invented the technology. And in it, he saw ethanol's future. It was a very exciting time. You know, I liked to think, and, and I believe, that we were being visionary. Potential investors were wary, but not Dennis Langley, a businessman and lawyer from Kansas. He owned one of the first deregulated gas pipelines in the country, and before that had a pretty significant career in Washington, D.C., as a lawyer for the Senate Judiciary Committee and a speechwriter for Senator Joe Biden. Langley died in 2017. And in his obituary, his family describes him as this ambitious, larger-than-life personality. The kind of guy who'd partner with Dave Hallberg to power a plant 
with cow poop. He said, come out and see me. Langley'd be the money guy, Dave Hallberg, the brains behind the tech, and Mead, Nebraska, their pilot project. We obviously felt we were doing them a huge service. It was going to employ more people and pay them better wages and increase the tax base, and it was going to clean up the manure. Hallberg imagined opening closed-loop plants across the Midwest. We felt we could build at least 50, if not 70, uh, complexes like the one at Mead. That was the dream. Which attracted attention and funding from the government. Just over $50 million in Nebraska state development bonds and an additional $70 million EPA loan. E3 Biofuels held its groundbreaking ceremony on a sunny September day in 2006. It was a really great day. A lot of, you know, stirring speeches. Governor Heinemann showed up. Stephen Johnson, who was the U.S. EPA administrator. Everybody was filled with uh, excitement about the potential and, and what could have been. But E3 Biofuels troubles started months before opening day. Dave Hallberg and Dennis Langley clashed over how to run the business. He was a brilliant man. He wrote his own documents and contracts. And he would always put a little poison pill in there, or a little angle. He was always looking for another another angle, and it made us very nervous. The two fell out. Hallberg walked away from E3 Biofuels. And Langley finished building the plant, which was forced to close just months after opening. They blew up the ethanol plant boiler. How you do that, I don't know. These days, if you ask people in the ethanol business, they'd say, well, that's not even possible. But they did. The company's production and finances never recovered. E3 Biofuels went bankrupt in 2007. The thing was was a disaster. You know, it was just a disaster. Hallberg says the boiler explosion wasn't related to his closed-loop system. But investors did not buy that. We made many, many efforts, tried many angles, and it just, you know, it, you just can't get past that first impression. So we finally just gave up. Hallberg thought his ethanol plant would change mead forever. And in a way, it would. In 2010, a group of investors started transferring the plant's permits under a new company, Alt-N, and later handed control back to Dennis Langley. And this time, Alt-N had a new idea for the plant. I mean, how you could have perverted the concept like this is just devastating. It, it just tears my heart out. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, Frankenstein. I'm Christina Stella, and you're listening to The Smell of Money, a radio documentary from Nebraska Public Media. More after a short break. I'm Kate Young. This special edition of Earth Eats continues after a short break. This is Earth Eats. We're bringing you a special documentary this week. From Nebraska Public Media, I'm Christina Stella, and this is The Smell of Money, a radio documentary about the Alt-N ethanol plant in Mead, Nebraska. So to understand the next part of the story, we got to talk about corn, the basis of ethanol. I want you to imagine a picture-perfect golden ear of corn. That's called field corn, and it's what's typically used to make ethanol. And like a lot of Nebraskans, John Vibrol's family has been growing it for decades. I moved back home to help my dad farm just about three miles west of the farm. And in late 2014, he was settling back into small-town life after a decade in the Air Force. The plant was froze solid from the top to the bottom, and I thought, why not try to go and revitalize something and, and be productive for our community? Alten hired John as an ethanol operator. But people were skeptical. Several farmers who had supplied corn to E3 Biofuels lost thousands when it went under. A lot of people asked me, like when I started, like, what are you doing? We got to get it going. The corn market had crashed. Ethanol was the only thing locally that you could see driving the price up. So might as well be a part of it. And when Alten opened in early January 2015, John says, at first, things seemed pretty normal. Field corn was coming in, and he was excited to start closed-loop production. But then one day, John is at work, 
manning the plant's machinery, when suddenly he hears a commotion in the loading area. It was like all of a sudden we had 60 trucks sitting out in the parking lot with seed corn. I should have known this is probably not good. And he says that's when things at Alton took a turn. Now I've asked you to imagine an ear of field corn. Now think of a popcorn kernel. That is basically what these trucks were packed with. Bags and bags of seed corn. It was like a shock to everybody. Like, what in the world? What what are we doing? And we were just told, like, this is what we're going to do. And one thing about seed corn is companies produce more than can be planted each year. The seed corn is going to the landfills regardless. But if you could somehow use this cheap, plentiful stuff, you'd essentially solve two problems at once. And in that, Alten saw an opportunity. So Alten created a market, per se, for it. But here's the catch. Around 90% of seed corn produced in the United States is treated with pesticides. And that chemical layer, like an M&M shell, caused a lot of problems, like clogged machines. Take sidewalk chalk, break it up to where it's sand, and just mix it all up and, and throw it in the air. And it's just, it's a film over everything, just multicolored. Different seed companies had different colors, so you didn't even have to look at the big three brands. Like, you knew green, you knew purple, you knew pink. And when he would dig the seed corn out... John says pesticide dust would end up all over him. He says Alden didn't have any rules or training for working with it. One time he got so completely covered, he had a coworker film him. This could get really purple. In the video, he heads outside with a supervisor. And once John steps into the sun, you can see just how covered he is with the pesticide residue. It's on his clothes, his skin, even his hair is glowing electric magenta. Then the supervisor takes an air hose and just starts blowing the pesticide dust off of John. We didn't have like suits or anything to put on like one would think. It was just at the end, put on a mask and, and go get it done. The ethanol made from pesticide treated seed corn actually comes out fine, but John questioned if the same could be said of one of its main byproducts, distiller's grain, a kind of corn mash called wet cake. It was put directly on the feedlot property, out of sight, out of mind. So Alton knew that wet cake made from pesticide-treated seed corn wasn't safe to feed to cattle. So it broke the closed-loop system and instead told the state it would compost some of the wet cake for local farms. It never happened. Not one time did we flip a pile over. Now, we would go out there and make it look like we did something. State documents show that by late 2017, Alton had about 36,000 tons of wet cake piled on its property, rotting. And it stunk. I can tell you that it's the worst smell in the world. Like sinus infection snot pouring out of your nose. Most of the terms I would use to describe the smell would be completely inappropriate for the radio or children. It's the smell of money. Mead had become infamous in Saunders County for its thick stench. And if you lived close to the plant, like Jody Weibel, it was inescapable. Dead, rotten, and acidic all in one. It's, I've never smelled anything like it. What color was the smell? Ew. Black with a putrid yellow streak. And the state warned Alton that stockpiling the wet cake like this was illegal and urged the company to spread it on cropland. Paula Dias lives off a dirt road near Mead, about six miles from Alton. Her property is surrounded by cornfields, with plenty of room for her three big dogs to roam. Come on, me. She's always loved animals. Well, and over the course of the years, you know, the kids have had rabbits that they've shown at the 4-H fair. The chickens have been shown at the 4-H fair. We had a bucket calf at one point in time. We had a pony. And in the spring of 2018, Paula was noticing a lot more traffic in front of her house. The, the big trucks that were loaded with the byproduct from the ethanol plant 
would be driving back and forth in front of our house for hours at a time. Which didn't seem that weird. Paula grew up farming and knew that it was planting season. But then one day, Buddy, her chocolate lab, started acting strange. He just seemed to be really lethargic. He wasn't really tracking quite right. You know, he was kind of a little unsteady on his feet. And his pupils were dilated, like they'd swallowed the iris. We took him to the vet, but we didn't know what he would have gotten into, and so we didn't know how to treat it. Buddy recovered in a few days, and Paula wrote it off. A few weeks later, she noticed a strong manure smell coming from the fields around her house. And a neighbor told her something kind of odd. He actually said that he wouldn't let our dogs eat it. He told her the material on the field was wet cake from Alten. And he was also aware that they were using treated seed. Paula and her husband tried to keep the dogs away. But one night, she let Athena, her big white German shepherd, out to go pee. And she took off. And I went around the house to the east and saw her in the field actually eating stuff. And within two hours after I brought her back inside, her pupils were 100% dilated and she was unable to really walk with any degree of um, stability. She was very shaky and was just drooling, had just uh, saliva just rolling out of her mouth in a puddle. Paula rushed back to the vet. And I was really worried that, you know, that we may actually lose her because we just, we didn't know what was in the, the product that was making her sick. Which got her thinking. What was it doing to all of the raccoons, the possum, waterfowl that would be migrating, you know, in the spring that might get access to that? She figured Alton would know if its wet cake was contaminated with pesticides. I was surprised to hear them tell me, yes, that those chemicals shouldn't be there anymore. They would have burned off. That was what I was told when I called. Not only did that sound wrong, the company didn't offer any proof. And I'm like, I, you know, without a testing report that says that there's nothing there, I am not going to believe that there's nothing there. So now I'll tell you that Paula happens to be a senior research scientist for a major animal pharmaceutical company. So she started digging, first into scientific literature. To see whether some university or some organization somewhere had done research to determine whether you could use treated seed corn and what happened to the chemicals in that process. And I came up with zero articles. Then she called the State Department of Environment and Energy. The general answer was is that we don't think there's anything in there that should make your dog sick. It's initial advice for Paula? Keep your dogs on a leash, on your five-acre property. And so we said, that's enough. We're going to have a vet send it off because I want to know what's in it. The vet sent some of the wet cake to Iowa State University's veterinary lab, which found seven different pesticides that could cause reactions like the one her dogs had. So she sent the results to the state and got this. But, well, okay, it's not surprising that they're in there, but your test that you had run is so sensitive that it could be picking up just very small parts per billion, and that's not anything that we're going to get too excited about. So she kept digging. We actually got a tag off of a bag of treated seed corn, okay? And you can read right on there, and it will say you could actually use the treated seed for ethanol production, but you cannot spread the byproduct for land application unless it's been tested to show no measurable residue. To show no measurable residue. Which could lead to air, soil, and water contamination. And so it seems to me that what was happening here was in direct violation of the tag on the seed bag which she told the Department of Environment and Energy. They responded, we don't regulate wet cake, and sent her to the Department of Agriculture, which told Paula her complaint wasn't really in its wheelhouse either. They're frustrating interactions because you're wondering, okay, am I not getting a clear answer from them because I'm not asking the right question? Here, Paula had evidence Alten's wet cake might be toxic enough to poison a 90-pound dog. But she felt like the state wasn't prepared or willing to enforce safety guidelines. They didn't have any records of the plant doing any testing to look for it. The state themselves didn't have any record of them doing tests. And I'm like, wouldn't that have been an obvious thing to have asked for when you knew that there was pesticide seed corn going in? And without any testing of their own, 
In the fall of 2018, the State Department of Agriculture gave Alt-N a permit to keep spreading wet cake as a soil conditioner. Right over here, yeah, to the east. On a cold night in February 2019, Paula and her husband woke up to the roar of a massive engine. 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, they went, and I saw the tractor, you know, lights shining in through the bedroom window as they went back and forth east-west through the field. That window overlooks the field next door, where a massive rig was flinging wet cake. And the next morning, the house reeked. Keep in mind that it's the middle of the winter, so the windows are all closed. So that's just how strong this stuff is. Jody Weibel lives six miles away from Paula and had heard about the dogs being poisoned. Around the same time, she was collecting complaints about Alton's wet cake and sending them to the state. A letter from the school district said it couldn't open the windows, the stench was so bad. And separately, a local healthcare worker wrote, no one knows what effect this will have on our health. Please, please help us. I gotta show you a picture. It's of her neighbor. Her face is blown up, her eyes nearly swollen shut. Her eyes, this was when they spread it in the field across from us, and they took her into the doctor, and it was environmental. And she hasn't had it since, but when they spread it in the field, she did. Jody says the smell gave her headaches, burning eyes, and a persistent cough. I have a friend that they lived in Mead, and she had three kids, and her kids were always sickly coughing, snotty noses. Charlie, their daughter, had bloody noses all the time. They moved to Washington State, and within two months, the bloody noses stopped, and so did all the coughing and all the respiratory issues. And whether Alton was to blame for these illnesses became a point of contention in Mead. People are going, oh, this is country life. You've got to get used to it. And some people would say, well, they're just trying to make a living and provide jobs. But Jody says nearly everyone agreed. Something had to be done about the smell. Because you couldn't do anything outside. Especially during summer. Any heat supercharged the stench. People would come and look at a house for rent or possibly for sale, and it would be a bad day. They'd go, I'm sorry, we can't move here. It stinks. We had people move away because it stinks. Like Paula, Jody assumed a smell so bad and so obvious would be easy for the state to do something about. She called the Department of Environment and Energy, the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission, Governor Pete Ricketts' office, her state senator, and even the EPA. Anybody that would stand still long enough, I contacted them, and the more I got the runaround, the more determined I was to get to the bottom of it. Over and over, she heard, we don't regulate odors. Alden has permits to do what it's doing. And regulators need evidence of contamination before they can take action. That's closing the door after the horse is out. Public records show Nebraska waited until the spring of 2019 to test Alton's waste. That's nearly a year after Paula Dias sent in her test results. Regulators found around 10 pesticides at combinations and levels so high, the EPA later wrote it couldn't conclude it wouldn't harm people or the environment. One chemical, clothianidin, was being applied to land at 85 times the EPA limit and showed up in Alten's liquid waste at nearly 300 times the safety limit for drinking water. We asked the state why it didn't test Alten's waste sooner and it declined to comment. In May 2019, Nebraska's Department of Agriculture barred Alten from spreading any more waste on local farms. But the company was still allowed to use treated seed, which led to more contaminated waste, which led to more violations, which led to more frustration. For three years, you go back and you look at the records on DEE, and they get cited for something and they're non-compliant, and cited for something and non-compliant. And meanwhile, Alten's manager, Scott Tinglehoff, argues its waste still had some use. Ultimately, what it's going to be used for is an alternative fuel source. That's Tinglehoff in an early 2020 interview with WWT. I reached out to him several times for an interview, but after a first phone call, stopped hearing back. At this point, Alten was advertising itself as the recycling facility for 98% of North America's surplus seed corn. 
In reality, the state had just given the company a final deadline to clean up its waste. March 1st, 2021. More than a year away. Time frame? I, I don't know if it's going to be weeks or months, but it won't be years. Some Mead residents asked, was this the best Nebraska could do? My take on this thing has always been that there's plenty of freaking law here, right? It's just that somebody has to step up and do something. Anthony Schutz teaches environmental law at the University of Nebraska's College of Law. He's seen changes in recent decades in how Nebraska regulates companies. What state government has tried to do over at least the last decade is to become more kind of user-friendly rather than being cops. We'll get further if we work on this together than we will if I just tell you what to do. Under Republican Governor Pete Ricketts, Schutz says the state has doubled down on that pro-business, voluntary approach. They don't like regulation. The state has, I mean, these governors have campaigned on wanting to undo regulation, to cut red tape. A spokesperson for Governor Ricketts declined to discuss the administration's approach. But Anthony Schutz says the state had the ability to stop Alt-N. Its entire purpose in the world is to do this, right? And when your state government says, we are here to partner, we are here to facilitate, we are not here to regulate, then they are shirking the biggest responsibility that they have, and then there's nobody left to do it. And so this sort of tug of war between Alt-N polluting and the state issuing violations continued until the story went national. In early January 2021, investigative journalist Carrie Gillum published an article in The Guardian about Alt-N. And her reporting pointed the finger directly at Nebraska for allowing the company to pollute mead for so long. I was so excited because I thought this is what will break it open finally. Jody hoped for big action from the state and got her wish. On February 4th, 2021, DEE director Jim Macy ordered the plant to shut down. Alton's wet cake stockpile had ballooned to 84,000 tons. And the liquid waste sitting in open lagoons, it could have filled more than 260 Olympic-sized swimming pools. In the state's order to close, Jim Macy said the wastewater alone posed an imminent and substantial risk for an uncontrolled release. And so the question became, where will all of it go? And then the polar vortex hit. And in the middle of the night, one of Alten's waste tanks spilled millions of gallons of liquid waste across the countryside. An uncontrolled release. This here, uh, this is proof in the pudding. Nebraska stand activist Mahmoud Fatil streamed it live. That video has over 18,000 views. This is liquid, no doubt, because of all the chemicals and that's still in it. And it's below freezing outside. Wake the up to what you're doing to our environment. What are we doing? This was a worst case scenario. And while Alton was responsible for the disaster, two big questions remained. Could the state have done more to prevent it? And who would clean up this mess? I'm Christina Stella, and you're listening to The Smell of Money from Nebraska Public Media. We'll be back in a minute. I'm Kate Young. This special edition of Earth Eats continues after a short break. This is Earth Eats. We're bringing you a special documentary this week from Nebraska Public Media. I'm Christina Sella for Nebraska Public Media, and this is The Smell of Money, a radio documentary about the Alta and Ethanol plant in Mead, Nebraska. 
In mid-February 2021, soon after the state shut Alten down, and after millions of gallons of pesticide-filled waste spilled across the countryside, Nebraska's lawmakers wanted answers. The Natural Resources Committee called in the Department of Environment and Energy director. So, I'm Jim Macy. Uh, my background, really brief, I started here in 2015. And it takes Macy nearly 40 minutes to lay out Alten's violations, including faulty wastewater lagoons, missing records, and dumping contaminated waste against state orders. Sorry, this is a lot of detail, but it's important to understand that the agency's been out there a lot uh, over many years. He says the state made 77 visits to the plant since its opening. And in the early months of 2021 alone, issued 11 violations. If we find non-compliance, though, we keep going back and, and trying to figure out how we can get the facility to uh, be in compliance. Senator Mike Groney of North Platte cuts to the chase. Your duty is compliance, right? Not non-compliance. It is. How did it get this bad? How did it get this bad? The DEE had taken action against Alt-N. But their many citations and visits ultimately didn't protect Meade. But the facility itself has to want to do the right thing. It has to want to be in compliance, and they have to work with us. Um, but there's another question in the air. In the what did you know and when did you know it vein? Did the department know all along that Alten was planning to make ethanol from seed corn? There, there wasn't openness and honesty in, in the application. And that's part of the problem. So Macy is basically saying that Alton wasn't up front with regulators. But in a public letter from 2012, three years before Alton opened, the company alerted state regulators that it was looking into using treated seed. And the state said, OK. But what it didn't do was require Alton to notify the state or the public if it decided to go ahead with using treated seed. Environmental lawyer Anthony Schutz. Sure, they could have. They didn't. So that's a missed opportunity. But Schutz says you'll find stories like this across the country. Now, the U.S. has often taken the approach that we don't worry about something until we know it's a problem. In some sense, this is kind of like what you would expect in an area that's unknown. But after years of second chances, DEE's Jim Macy hinted the state was preparing its big play. And unfortunately, you, you get to a point where you start building uh, investigations that, that can stand up in court. And so on March 1st, 2021, Alten blew through its final deadline to clean up the waste. And Governor Pete Ricketts opened his weekly press conference with a special guest. So I'm going to welcome our Attorney General Doug Peterson to uh, say a few remarks with regard to... FYI, Nebraska's Attorney General Doug Peterson appeared over Zoom and sounds kind of echoey. We have filed a complaint in Lancaster County District Court. This was Nebraska's nuclear option, a 97-page, 18-count, massive lawsuit against Alten. Uh, this is probably, uh, as I said, the most significant one we've filed since I've been in office. The lawsuit orders Alten to clean up all of its waste once and for all, plus a $10,000 a day fine for each violation. Governor Pete Ricketts. This is a company that is terribly managed and has demonstrated that consistent lack of compliance with the directions of our environmental laws and our Department of Environment and the Energy. Residents rejoiced. But at the same time, in its dozens of pages, some saw an index of Nebraska's failure to regulate Alt-N and an attempt to save face. Anthony Schutz. Here's a 97-page lawsuit, which actually I think kind of like didn't cut quite in the way that they wanted it to because it demonstrates like this is a huge problem. Because if you can write a 97-page complaint and publicly highlight how extensive it is... Then where were you for the last three years? Plus, this lawsuit did not guarantee a timeline for the cleanup or a happy ending. And Meade needs clear answers about the extent and impact of Alten's pollution. Um, I would like to get that North Culvert sample, though. Judy Wu Smart runs the University of Nebraska's Bee Lab, Bee as in honeybee. And around 2017, her research hives in Mead started dying over and over and over again of what she calls systemic pesticide pollution. 
So on a foggy morning this past March, graduate student Sheldon Brummel is crouched over a culvert, taking water samples. He's poking a yardstick into the water, fitted at the end with a little plastic cup. You'll see you with the next one we're about to take. It's a night and day difference. I'm going to be grossed out touching it with this stick. We drive to the next culvert, where the water is a cloudy brown color. And it smells awful. Like a rotting alien. Part organic, part chemical. It'll give you an instant headache. So this liquid right here, this you would not touch with your bare hands? No. This is where all the water, the water from that spill came down. EPA testing found high levels of 11 pesticides in the spill collected at this spot. Sheldon's duct tape garbage bags over his pants like improvised waders. This is where they had a pump and they had the piping running all the way down to where it had pooled up and they had to pump it all back. Judy Boosmart has been investigating the source of Mead's bee die-offs for years. In 2019, the bee lab found levels of pesticides so high in local plants, Woosmart thought it was a mistake. So here we have a chemical mixture, lots of fungicides, neonicotinoids, other agricultural herbicides and insecticides at lower levels. And the spill has only complicated getting answers for mead. The University of Nebraska is using a $200,000 private donation to track impacts from Alton's pollution on public health and the environment but it hopes to raise $10 million to extend the study for a decade. It's, it's a long-going process. Which makes sense. Altan claimed it was processing treated seed from 100 different companies. That's unheard of, and poses equally unheard of questions about environmental impacts. I mean, these compounds aren't like your old chemicals where you drink some, you die, or you have instant issues. Neonicotinoid pesticides can harm animals' immune systems, cognition, motor function, and even reproduction. Even less is known about fungicides. But when combined... They have this ability to enhance the toxicity or synergize other compounds and chemicals in a chemical mixture. We don't really know the impact of those mixtures. And she says consistent monitoring isn't happening. And university resources are stretched thin. That is a major stress point for Mead. In early April, advocate groups from across Nebraska held a live-streamed town hall for concerned residents at a local church. Hi, welcome. You can go on in if you want. Jody Weibel ushers people in. She's got bootcut jeans on and a pink shirt that says, a little coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. And there's a bit of a giddy reunion vibe in the room. A lot of people haven't seen each other because of COVID. Fine, how are you? Thank you, it's so nice out, you can't go wrong. Jody's watching the door for the other Mead resident speaking tonight, Paula Dias, to arrive. Paula, I thought that was you. Yeah, man. I wasn't you're Jody. Sure. Yes. <laughs> and about 60 people show up, even some from surrounding towns. Yeah, we're, you know, we live by Swedberg and we can smell it. Oh my gosh. Jody told me earlier that she worried people wouldn't show up. And I get it. A few people I'd spoken to told me they don't want to be seen as overly critical of Alton. You never know whose kid or spouse might work there. People don't want to stir up any hard feelings. But some are way past worrying about that. Mead Covenant's pastor, John Schnell, leans against the back wall, scanning the crowd. I think I'm frustrated. I think people just think, you know, nobody really listens. And uh, if, if you've been on the journey the last five years, I mean, persistence has we've had to just be persistent. He's happy with this turnout. But some faces are notably absent. I would be happier if we had a few of our local uh, superintendents or if we, had a, if we had some state representatives here actually listening to some of these things. That'd make me really happy. And a few minutes later, he kicks off the meeting. Lord, as we've prayed for just for you to reveal things, I'm astonished of all the truth that's come out about this situation. Then former state senator Al Davis, who now lobbies for Nebraska Sierra Club chapter, takes over. And for two hours, a panel including Jody, Paula, and Judy Wu Smart gives a sort of Alton 101 presentation, ending with a Q&A. So don't be shy. We're here to answer questions. And the air fills with six years' worth of Mead's questions and angst around Alton. Where is the waste going to go? Is my water safe to drink? What do I tell my doctor? And I know a lot of people in this area that are having health issues, and we're hearing nothing about it. 
but we need to do something yes. for our neighbors and our families. Yes. Yes. Thank you. And what really starts to become clear here is how many resources will be needed to even address these questions. I've lived here my whole life. This meeting has been informative. I've learned a lot. But we want real answers. You know, we tried to have a meeting with the DEE, and they wouldn't show up. So what does that make us residents feel like? Totally forgotten and left out. As the night wraps up, Pastor Schnell urges his neighbors to turn that feeling into action, to keep the pressure on Nebraska's leaders. If we don't do it and persist, it's not going to get done. It's just, it's just, how many of you are tired of looking to the government to solve your problems? Well, here's your prime opportunity to do it yourself. So let's just do it ourselves. Besides one county board member, no other local, state, or federal leaders showed. But since that night, there have been some developments. A representative for Governor Pete Ricketts told us in a statement that the well-being of the people of Meade and the surrounding area is of the utmost importance. In early June, the state announced companies that once supplied seed corn to Alton, including big names like Bayer, Syngenta, and Corteva, will plan and pay for initial cleanup at the plant. It means the costs won't fall entirely on taxpayers. Since the big spill in February 2021, Nebraska has spent nearly a quarter of a million dollars on its response. The state has also set up a public information portal to alert residents of any developments. But it's still unclear who will pay if remediation is needed across Saunders County, where Alton's waste ended up via dumping, the spill, or runoff. In early July, state testing showed a private pond six miles from Alten is a dead zone. But for now, the village's public drinking water, which is sourced upstream from the plant, is fine. Nebraska also recently outlawed using treated seed corn to make ethanol. But the truth is, some of Alten's damage is permanent. Alten has always refused to answer any questions from anybody, nobody will stand up and just say, we screwed up, we're going to fix it. John Bebrol, who worked at the plant, says that's made Alton a sore subject for some, and even changed relationships. Like that supervisor who blew pesticide dust off him in the video. And I told him that like I was going to say some things that maybe didn't sit well, but that, like, it just is what it is at this point. And he didn't respond. He says they're not as close as they used to be. We went ice fishing. He came to my wedding. Like, everybody that worked out there, even though we all didn't always get along, it was like a family. And that's made it hard to process everything that's come out about Alton since. How incredibly gullible I was to think that this was any sort of good idea. But it would appear that it was all set up to be exactly what it is today. And that's an industrial catastrophe. And in that point right there, you can see just how badly this plant's original promise of revitalization of a future for mead has been broken and how Alten's contamination could have happened to any ethanol town. But Mead does not want your pity, because despite it all and the uncertainties ahead, life in this town goes on, like the annual Mead Days Festival. Hi, how are you? Elm Street, near the town square, is lined with easily half the town. People come from miles around. They're all waiting for the parade to start. We didn't do it last year because of the COVID, but uh, yep, every year. We used to ride the horses in the parade. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I love this town. <laughs> For a village this size, Mead Days is a blowout. There are snow cones, a food court, inflatable rides, and a volleyball tournament. Jody's got her chair set up for the parade, and she wants to show me something. A picture on her phone. It's going to be on one of the vehicles in the parade. It's the local fire chief's pickup truck with big white letters painted across the back. It says, all 10 sucks. 
And then the floats start to come. Fire trucks and ambulances throwing candy. Oh, Smarties, thank you. Oh, yes. <laughs> and of course, vintage cars. Oh, that's my neighbor. <laughs> that was my neighbor. He did drive it in the parade, a Studebaker, that's it. I didn't even know they made pickups. Moments like these are why Jody feels so protective of Mead. You can feel it sitting next to her. This little corner of the world is her home. I have never lived in a town like this. It doesn't shut you out, it welcomes you in, it takes care of their people. Then Jody spots her daughter on her church's float, coming up the road. She's singing the battle hymn of the Republic. And in that moment, I thought about something Jody told me the first time we met. She just laid out her worst fear about Alden, that its years of polluting Saunders County put a skull and crossbones on Mead's reputation, that it would become a ghost town. So I asked her. Have you ever thought about moving away? No. Nope, I'm not gonna leave. I'm too stubborn. Too stubborn. And like Jody, Mead isn't going anywhere. I'm Christina Stella, and this has been The Smell of Money from Nebraska Public Media. Carrie Donahue was the editor, fact-checking by Sam Kai. Peregrine Andrews did the sound design. Dennis Kellogg is the news director of Nebraska Public Media. Special thanks to Gabriella Parsons for additional reporting, and to the residents of Mead who generously gave their time. And for more information about this documentary, including a complete transcript, you can head to nebraskapublicmedia.org. I'm Kate Young. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Earth Eats. We'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.